We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. That's yeah. it. The Vale Podcast, written by Mildura Living Magazine. Autumn issue out now. In fact, the winter issue will be out very soon. We've got special guest. And are you a champion again? Yet, no, Phil? No, no not, yet. not yet. No, not yet. No, sorry. I shouldn't. Oh, <laughs> oh. sorry. Sorry, I won't have. Uh, not yet for the opportunity to mm-hmm. become a champion again, yes. You're not far away, though. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You've done a very, very good job. It was. Um, Look, I'm pretty chuffed with myself. That was obviously I won it as a driver. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's always good when the car goes down the racetrack and, you know, you're obviously doing your job at, um, and steering it. But uh, when you have to pedal it and you do a pretty good job at it, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. You look pretty pleased with yourself. Well. And so you should be. Yeah. It's, you're trying to, um, we're trying to wrestle and harness, you know, 10, 11,000 horsepower. And mm. um, it, Really got your attention. So mm. it got a little bit out of shape. The TV is going to be awesome. Yeah. Because we couldn't watch it live. Yeah. It was it was live. Was it? Yep. Mm. I must have missed that. Yep. I was busy watching something seven, else. But... Seven plus. Ah, is that where it was? Yeah. Ah, because I was trying to find it on Fox. Right. No, no, okay. No. No, right. Seven plus. Right. It's live stream on seven plus. Oh, live streamed on seven plus. And then we do a TV show pre-production. Post-production. Post-production. Yep. Post-production. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. God, I thought you'd be up with all that. Yeah. You're a media professional now. the same thing. Hey, speaking of, though, when you do actually retire, is that something you might go into? Like commentating the drags and doing that sort of post-production stuff? Ooh. Never really been asked that question, but I suppose if they asked and... Well... And you, you, but I'm not much... A, look, I'd only have to... I'd have to be maybe special comments, not rather than an actual commentator. I just... I take my hat, hat off to the commentators. They are... You know, really good. I've been, you know, we've been fortunate enough to be able to work with probably the best motorsport um, commentators in the country over the years. And, um, you know, top of the list at the moment would be young Chad Nalon. Um, he's, yeah, he's just unreal. Mm. Um, yeah, but over the years, yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Well, you've got a bit of experience now behind a microphone. There's no uh, reason you couldn't. It's, it's easy. Like I've said it a million times, it's easy to talk about something you love doing. So Yeah. Well, that's it. But it is. You got to, when you commentate, you've got to have a bit of an unbiased sort of view. and You've got to have a filter between your brain and your mouth? Oh, well, not so much. But, you know, you've got to, yeah, a bit of entertainment. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's maybe something to think about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, well done. Thank you. From all reports, it was you didn't have a great first day, though. No, I never do. It's no, crazy. You don't, when, do you? No, when I qualify last, I normally win the. I won it in Mildura, now I won it at Heathcote. Yeah, so. and it kind of was the same sort of thing. Oh well, it's what happens is well there. It was well the car was close. It was just the track was where it was at, you know. Mm. And um, fortunate enough, you know, I was able to get the job done. But then on Saturday in the in Q two, we it was an all down just before we had to run because we were running the actual. A and the B final from Sydney because it got postponed since that little incident with the Reeds. Yep. So um, our second car with Shane, Olive driving, yep. um, he was in the A final and I was in the B final. So we smoked the tyres on the hit and I didn't, the car, I just couldn't get, I didn't, when I seen old mate Damo um, just, you know, yeah. going down, I just didn't worry about pedalling it. So I actually lost the B final. So I've, my championship points were really up to putt. So mm. luckily Shane actually won. Yep. 
the A final against Pete Zibris. He's yep. gone to four out of five finals yep. and lost. Bridesmaid all four times. Ooh. But anyway, so so then he had a bit of a, a lead and then his car was on point and um, we sort of – our car was running good too on the on Sunday and we went two rounds and then we got into the A final against yep. Pete. So – and you beat him. I, I had to, mm. basically. So then I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. Um, what you know, like lift or yeah. thing. I'd. You weren't gonna leave anything left no, in the tank. I'll be so honest. I'd drive it upside down on fire through yeah. the finish line if I <laughs> if I knew I could win. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, I think, a good attitude to have. Yeah, well, <laughs> but not. For a lot of other well, people. Well, you wouldn't do it if you didn't think he could win. Obviously, you wouldn't do anything if you didn't think he could win. Oh, and I'm not worried about thinking I can win. I, mm. Yeah, I'm, I know I can. Yeah. I've, I've done it. And so it's not about that. It's about just, uh, you know, we have so many elements in the car. Like we've discussed, you know, many times. It's the tuner, putting the right tune up in it, mm. the track conditions, the, the boys putting the car back together every run, mm. all them sort of things. So there's a lot of variables. And when they all come together, it's just it's just absolute bliss. Let me ask you about the track at Heathcote. Now, before we start, Heathcote's a privately owned track. Yes. <laughs> Probably for good reason. Oh, uh, nah, but hang on. Um, Sydney's not and that sort of thing. But the job that needed to be done at Heathcote had to be, unfortunately, yeah, privately owned. Because yeah. slowly, slowly or quickly, quickly, it's a bit of a tough one. But um, look... It's nowhere near where it needs to be right now. Still. Okay. Yep. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And yep. um, it's my phone again. Yep. Never mind. That's all right. Um, so yeah, he's Lance Warren there. He's the guy that owns it, and um, he's done an, an enormous amount of work. But um, mainly from a little bit of pressure from ourselves. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to go there. Yeah. So he's done. He's done a lot of work, but he's probably still halfway there. Yeah, okay. Um, we what go, about the, go- the surrounding, like apart from the track, the surrounds, the facilities around the track, car parking, toilets, all those types of things nah, still, still haven't been touched, have they? Really? Oh, he's done he done the return road. He's done some pit, um, some asphalt in the pit area okay. as well. So, no, he's oh, done, he's done yeah, yeah, he's done a bit of that. Yeah. The infrastructure, like I said, is there, but he still needs a lot of work that needs to be done between now and when we go back there in October. Okay. Yeah. All right, as far as the track goes? Um, nah, the track is done Yeah, pretty much now. It's good. Um, well, it just needs traffic on it. Yeah, and that's yeah. why the final ended up catching us out because mm. we didn't think the track was actually um, as good as it was in the last round. Okay. And um, that caught us out. So would you believe we actually made – we didn't make – Enough power. Yeah, okay. We took too much power out. All right. So does that mean when you say it needs more traffic on it, is that just for that layer of rubber? rubber. Yeah, okay. Rubber. Yeah. And not so much on the start line because they can build. Yep. It's where they re-asphalted from to about 300, 350 feet mark yep. mm-hmm. and then from there to the to, to the finish line. So yep. about seven six 650 feet to the 1,000 yep. was a little bit how you going. But we can get the cars moving in that first bit of concrete. Yep. And once you get the cars moving, you can sort of just adjust – the power to okay. accordingly. But you've seen, like, there was a few guys in the transition, smoked the tyres. So once everyone got their head around it, the tuners, yep. they, they put on a really – we put on oh, we put on a really good show in yeah. on Sunday. Well, that's their job really, isn't it? Yeah, but 
We can say that, but it's not an easy one. No, no, I, I wouldn't want to do it. But um, is he quarter mile or is it eight mile? It's quarter mile. It's quarter mile. Yeah, but right. we run to a thousand. Yeah. Does he um, doesn't want to buy Swan Hill? Lease it. Can Look, lease I'll it. be honest. Straight up. Now that Heath gets sort of rolling, mm. only an hour from Melbourne, yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it will. But it's the money too. Like private money can afford. Like um, they may not even be able to afford to do that. But when you've got private investment and money to do it, well, there was um, that's that starved, and now I think when they've got had the taste for it, you know, we had. Um, I don't know. I haven't been told the exact figures just yet, but um, it was over the two days. It was at least. Yeah, twelve thousand well, people come my through the gate. I was telling I was telling you before my brother in law was the poo man over the doing the portaloos over the weekend and uh it was an incredible amount of waste, let's put it that way. Well, One that he he reckons it's the biggest by far the biggest job he's ever done. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, so like big. I said, there was well, they pre sold that amount of tickets anyway. So yeah. it was just crazy. On the first day before they could do a bit of traffic management, there was a four-kilometre, hour-and-a-half wait to get <gasps> in. Oh, gosh. Four-kilometre long. Wow. They actually went back to the MacGyver Highway. <gasps> the police actually had to close the highway. Wow. Mm. People were parking on the side of the road and walking kilometres. Was there no traffic management plan? There was, but it's just when you got one in. Yeah, yeah. And we they tried to explain to everyone to get in early. early. Mm. There was just a window there of about probably two, three, probably three hours yep. that um, was, was just – yeah, and then when the show got on, like we got on, on got going, uh, the traffic basically had stopped. Yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. yeah. So Everyone there was, was in. Mm. yeah, just that's just how it is. Yeah, a few little teething issues, but yeah, um, that's only just it's management. Yeah, that's yeah. all it is, and a couple of other bits and pieces. So this series cool. seems to have been a bloody good thing, though. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm really chuffed and um, pretty proud, and obviously excited about being a part of it, and. Mm. We've released uh, season two now, calendar. Yep. And we're going to seven um, racetracks in seven different racetracks yeah, between um, September through to uh, June. That's so exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So we go, starts off at Alice Springs, then goes to Heathkit, then we go to Perth, and then we go to Willowbank in, in, at Queensland for back in, there again. Then we've got the new facility that's getting built at the Bend. Yep. And then from there we go to. Geez, um, they've done a good job, haven't they, at the Bend? We talk about private money. Yeah. They're spending thirty mil. Oh, yeah, and this is the thing. It's got to, to me, in, by my mind, to get the right people, the right amount of money, the right engineers to engineer a track, because it, you need to know about this stuff. If you don't have all those things, you know, yeah, it's councils don't really don't. It's not really. No, I've seen anyway. cancel in action. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the thing. Anyway, anyway, we won't God, we won't get into that. God bless them. It's just hard. Though. It just it's hard. It's just it's hard. Anyway, um, well, well done. And are you going to win the championship? Look, um, where are your points wise at the moment? Are you second? Second, by, second, just by ten points. Yeah. So it's not. It's actually nothing. Mm. Um, so there's nobody from third can actually come up. Okay. So it's just between me and Pete Zibris. <laughs> Again. So you'll have to uh, – are you going to be the bridesmaid or is he going to be the bridesmaid? Well, hopefully <laughs> hopefully he continues his form as bridesmaid, which should be right. Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't but, you? Um, is it, look, like, oh, God bless him, I love him. But, um, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> In No prisoners when, when we come yeah, we yeah. put the helmet on. What um, did Charlie call you last year? Was it last year? 
Oh, he came runner up and he called you first place, lo- <laughs> yeah, first first place, place. loser. So, yeah. but um, no, nah, look, uh, 2014 was me, my last championship. Yep. Um, obviously, a lot's happened since then. Had you know, um, we've won another championship with Kelly driving, and the sport then went a bit of a bit of a downturn, and now um, it's really pumping. So. Um, it does seem to be. It does seem to be. It would be, be good to win the first inaugural, um, you know, um, you know, t- Top Fuel Australia, you know, Top Fuel Championship. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. It would be very cool. Yeah. We've invested a lot of time, money and yeah. effort in running the two cars to make sure the championship is where it's at. Mm. And we'll run it, We'll run two cars again next season and then we'll reassess it after that. But, um, yeah, it's looking good. Yeah. It's not, it's not exactly a hobby sport, is it? Well, not now anymore. Uh, no. No, it's it takes a fair bit of cash to yep, get involved, and it's serious. Um, let's talk about footy. Okay, your second love, <laughs> or maybe your third, <laughs> if we include Sarah <laughs> or your family. Um, buy this weekend. Yes, thank goodness. Yes. I think everyone loves a, a buy. I'll be honest, really yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, are you going away? No, I just can't. I just come back no, from no. being away. Yeah, but when you go away racing, that's not exactly a break, oh, is it? I'm, it's not so much a break, no. But um, you're with your family, yeah. and it's something you love doing. So yeah. it's it's sort of a, not a holiday, but it's fun, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now we're trying to do nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just do nothing mm. if that's possible. How are the carrots looking? Carrots are looking okay. Yeah, we're still cool. harvesting out of Caniva. Yep. And uh, we'll do that for another probably. Seven, about eight weeks, yep. seven, eight weeks. And then, um, yeah, back home and up at St. George for a bit. Yeah, right. Hmm. Plenty of water around. Yeah, there is plenty of water around, plenty which is good. Around. Yeah. Um, back back to the footy. Yes. How is that all looking for the – I mean, it's been a bit of a slowish start. What are we, two and two? and Three, two three and two. two. Three and two. Mm. Three and two. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's look, not a bad there start. was um, – Imp's game, you know, wasn't um, our best um, – um, efforts mm. and um, had a couple of meetings and um, sort of just uh, needed to just explain where we where we as a committee feel that we think that we can be yep or need to be yep. and um, together with Richo and his you know his brains trust they sat down and you know they come out and they started swinging which was good and we bet reckless and I was obviously away um, against South, but um, we bet South. Um, we could have probably put them away a long time mm. know, earlier if mm. we kicked straight. So that's not good. <laughs> that they, you know, they, I don't know if it's excuses or whatever, but they, the boys are saying that that ground is you know very interesting. To, um, you know, uh, to to get around if you know yeah, what right. I mean. Like it's it's crazy. It's it's um, slippery. No, 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 not no. slippery. Um, your perception of oh really of where how far is that because are. is that because I didn't go either I was in ISO so is it, it it's big it, yeah it's big really like you, big well if you have a look if you have a look at the re- like the the the, um, the video of the yeah. footage of the game we were kicking it and we were falling short by meters like well it's nearly, made to AFL specs so they can have regional AFL games here. Yeah, so, so it is some of our bigger. local boys actually got lost on the ground. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. No, no, and it's you think, man, how hard is it? You've seen a person and you just have to kick it to them. But I even, no, I, no, haven't, no. I haven't found it hard to watch the game with the vines in the background. Yeah. 
and the distance of the sheds and everything in the in the distance in the background. Yeah, like and I'm that a, will make a difference, I think, because you, you we're normal, we can't, normal the perception. Yeah, normally used to playing with you know a fenced a fence around the perimeter with signs, which does give you that sort of depth perception, and yeah, it makes it makes a huge difference. And big grounds like Tully Bucks a perfect example in the Central Murray, big ground, nice mound, people love it, but it's so big that it does have it. That's why they play finals on it because it sorts out the good from the the mediocre. Yeah, but it shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't, know. but it will. No, it, not that it shouldn't. It shouldn't be like that. That we get you get penalised for you know the because you can't or you don't play on it often enough. You yeah. Know I mean? so yeah. Well, that's true too. But that's, that's country footy too, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. But um, now we're we're okay. We still got just a married to come back. Yep. And um, that'll be a full compliment, hopefully, of the of the recruits since you know since we started. We actually haven't had them all on the park. Mm. Um, uh, they're going all right. Um, so yeah, just got a few boys to come back for next game. BT, he'll be back. Hopefully, just the Marriott, and then um, then we've got uh, Ricardo. He's still injured, but um, he should be close. Yep. Um, he's not available for for the Mujura round. Um, social social aspects are going good. Trivia uh, night was good. Yeah, it was awesome. Mm. Yeah, good turnout. Um. And yeah, it's like just things are just ticking along yeah. nicely. I, 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 we've come to the buy, but I think um, after we play everyone once, I think we'll get a bit of an idea where we're at mm. and where yeah. we can be. So it's it's Mildura at home next round, isn't Correct. it? Correct. On yeah. the the fourth, and it's iPod Shuffle Night too, and Pasta Night. Correct. So, yay. That'll be nice. Yeah, just something good. Yeah, stick around and have a drink and socialise and all that kind of stuff. Well, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day today. Oh, that's today. it. Well, yeah, what else do you want to talk about? Oh, just what's going on with you? Well, <laughs> well, like it's no secret, but hopefully there'll be more come out in the next few weeks. Conference happening this weekend, which is really convenient that it's on the buy. So we'll wait and see, and pre-selections happen Sunday. So... Right, we'll wait and see. Is that so, what is that what you're referring to? Oh, just that in general. And um, I noticed that um, you know it's interesting mm. that things get announced and then people put their name that you know to yeah. that sort of stuff. And I'm just trying to work out how does that all sort of work, really? Because um, do you want me to explain it to you? Yeah, in really because, simple. I'll terms? be honest, because people get confused. Like, yeah. there's you know. Little short snippets that, you know, there was 250, 250, like half a million dollars mm. announced for, you know, for Romvale mm. um, for the skate. Now, what did that entail? Like who, so, who actually asked for that, you know? So this is that? what happens. This is what happens. So council, and this is, this is the thing, when money starts rolling in, it's because councils and community groups have done the work, whether it's the footy club scoping their projects for grandstands, netball courts, change rooms, or community coming to the party with the Riverfront Master Plan consultation and, you know, um, saying, you know, we need a new playground in this park, we need to activate Centenary Park, wouldn't it be great to have a skate park like Swan Hills got, wouldn't it be great to have an adventure playground, nature-based adventure playground like Swan Hills got, et cetera, et cetera. And the Riverfront Master Plan is out for the next stage of community consultation too, for the first stage, which is great. So that all gets put onto the 10-year major project plan. Now, my my job in all this is to convince six other councillors that Robinvale needs to be a focus and it needs to be up the front of that 10-year major projects plan. That's pretty much my and then when this money comes in my job again then is to just say to convince six other councillors that this is where the money should go okay so just quickly though mm. 
Where does the money come from? So the money, this money, the half a million dollars that we were awarded this week came from Sport and Recreation Victoria, Victoria. which are, yeah, a state government. state. Yeah, 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 state government. Right. So, but it doesn't just fall out of the sky and they go, here's half a million dollars, do with it what you want. There's an application process for all of this. So your mate at council, who I'm not allowed to name, but we all know who he is, is very, very good at harnessing this money. Very, very good at knowing where, when and where there is money coming from and very good at being successful in getting those things. And he actually thought when he got the email that um, the bid had been successful, that it was the Building Better Regions money that we've put in for the the multi-million dollars of the, the grandstand. Well, and that's where I thought when I seen that, I thought, oh, is that part of it? No. And no, it's not. But so you're saying to me, so realistically, instead of – um, someone claiming that they got it. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a bloke that works in the office at Swan Hill actually should put up on his Facebook page that he actually yeah, got it. Yeah, except that he's not allowed to. No, I know that. Yeah, but so yes. So why is someone else allowed to when it's actually false? Well, when it comes from the state government, I suppose whoever the funding body is largely will claim it as their win, even though they may not have known anything about it or know what it's for, or um, because there was actually a media release that came out. I didn't get it, but um, there was a media release about it come out from Mark Jepp's office because he's the one that um, I rallied really hard for with the Leisure Centre money and things like that. He's the upper house member. Um, So that came from, from his office, and there was a media release that came from his office as well that I didn't see. So that's how word got out because we haven't actually worked out the funding agreement yet. So it was supposed to be kept on the DL for a little bit longer until the funding agreements were worked out. So essentially it is to help facilitate the first stage of that, the Riverfront master plan, which is out for consultation at the moment. So if people want to have their say, there will be um, plans and and things put up in the resource centre over the next couple of weeks whenever our friend from Swan Hill comes up to do all that because this is like there is a power of work that goes into this a mm. power of work I don't do the work no and so so what I'm sort of reading between the lines and it's interesting to learn all this sort of stuff and it's probably good for people to understand is that um there is a lot of work getting done by normal mm. people mm-hmm. and then individuals um claim it which is um it's not that we need to highlight the fact to, um, you know, absolutely ridicule the person. Mm. I'm not saying that, but mm. what I'm saying is, is um, I think it's good that the public actually understands. Now, I had I read a good post when that was announced uh, from Narell, and it was very interesting because I know um, this is a bit of an issue in 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 um, in Robinvale with the health, mm. our health issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we had an incident out at the farm a few weeks ago now and, you know, we had to wait, you know, nearly an hour for a, for an ambulance. Yeah. And, you it's know. It's lucky it was only an hour. I know. And that's, yeah. and well, it's Which not lucky. Which is ridiculous. It, that's, you know, it's, it, it could be, it could be the difference. Yeah, that's right. And. It often is the difference. Well, it is the difference. Mm. So um, what, the, the post was quite, you know, interesting. So then I suppose that's another focus. Now, where does that where does that line of um, questioning and, and answers come from? So health as far as GP and health infrastructure is very much a state government uh, issue, very yeah. much a state government issue. My biggest issue that I have in terms of health and state infrastructure is that the Victorian state government at the moment are $24 billion, 
over budget with city-based infrastructure projects. $24 billion. Now, how much of that could we have put into health services here, getting rural doctors? I was actually having a conversation with Dr Jane yesterday about some of her ideas because Dr Raj has retired now, so she is even more overwhelmed than she was beforehand. She's got some ideas and even though – and she said to me, she goes, I understand that this is state and federal base, but no one's listening to us. We need to have a conversation. Okay, fine. So we'll we'll talk about that sort of stuff, but that is very much, you know, with with these infrastructure, it just boils my blood that there is so much money being put into a tunnel under, under Melbourne and here we are out on farms feeding the city, having to wait an hour for an ambulance. Yeah, look, there's, I think what the biggest problem is, and we've had this discussion um with the ex actually mm. CEO is the balance. Mm. Now, yes, we need infrastructure. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm saying, like, yeah, of course we do. As you as you're going, mm. but there has to be a certain amount of priorities. Um, there has to be a certain amount of priorities set, and it's you know, like I said, about a you know, half a million dollars for a skate park. That's sort of good, but. Um, and then we, but I, I've got my hand up for a new change rooms as well. Yep. But I don't want it to jeopardise no. if there was money being alo- able to have the ability to be allocated into, into yes. health into Romvale. So you know I mean, it makes you feel. Yeah, it yeah. actually nearly f- makes you feel bad. It, it does. It does. However, they come out. They come from completely different departments. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and I and one won't represent- share with the other. No, and that's fine. But as a representative, I suppose, you know, they say the. The, the squeaky wheel gets the yeah. you know, gets the oil. Yeah. So I think it needs to be a balance between um, certain amount being able to be asked for and spent in Romvale, but then you don't you you still want to be, have the ability to ask because eventually you won't receive if you don't ask. No, well that's right. That's so, exactly right. Uh, I think um, the message. I, I suppose we're a bit selfish also too in our area. If eventually we have a representative that's very close to home mm. that we continue to ask always just for Romvale. But I think it, there's a, there is a balance there. Yeah. Um, I think there's a, a much larger and there is a power of work going on in the health, health space at the moment, particularly for Robinvale, but also including Mildura and Track as well. So there is a fair bit of work going on there with all of those well, organisations. We're, we're still Victorian. I just don't yeah, I know. understand. I know. That, um, I know. And you're right. It is the squeaky it, wheel. And it's funny because – well, not funny. It's interesting that you go to a place like Heathcote and, um, you know, I've never – sometimes I don't look at it like this, but, you know, they said that, um, oh, you know, it was still – it was still it was the shortest drive. I had the shortest drive out of all the drivers. Yeah. I know there's six drivers. but yeah. um, And so it was a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Mm. And so they will classify me as, you know, local. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yes, I am – my address says, you know – at the end, Victoria. Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So um, it is a small world. You yeah. know what I mean? Like people were travelling two and a half hours to come to the drags on the weekend. Yes. You know, all, you know, all over the state and mm. and also too in New South Wales and, and all that sort of thing. So um, I think it can be done. Victoria, yeah. You know what I mean? We are in Victoria. Yeah, it absolutely can be done. And I'm not going to get too political just yet, but no. under the current government it won't. It's – and – Given the result of Saturday's election, I'm fearful 
for the rest of regional Australia just because of history. I, I, I'm hopeful. And you know what? I'm talking to uh, Dr Webster next about her bid at deputy leader and a position on the front bench, which could absolutely have enormous benefits. And I'll talk to her about the health care um, as well. So, Look, I don't mm. – I'm not – I'm not here. To, I'm not a, an analysis or whatever. You analyst. Mean. Analyst. Sorry. <laughs> Political analyst. Maybe Polit- that's a new job for you. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I'm going to throw it out there. Mm. Um, just whatever date it is today um, and the time. Uh, it's the 26th of May, 11:05. 26th of so May. So we've run I, over time, but go on. I'd say the. I'd say there'll be a sh- there'll be change in the Victorian. Yeah, just, I think so just too. Just going by with the the way the public. Operate, yeah. Um, federal against state, mm. and um, yeah, I think it'll be there'll be a change. <sighs> Fingers crossed, Phil. Fingers crossed. I don't think I've made any secret. I mean, to the to a point, I suppose I have. You know, I had to. Didn't want to reveal my cards too early. No, and you've come up against a pretty decent adversary. <laughs> How do you say that word? <laughs> Adversary. Adversary. Yeah. And you know what, though? This is the thing. People are like, oh, I didn't think you'd run against um, the incumbent. I thought you were friends. Well, yeah, we've got a great working relationship. We've had a great working relationship. I think I've, I have upset her, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm an adult. I can have different it. political views to someone and still get along with them. Charlie's a very good example of that. He, we have polar opposite political views. Yep. Um, he voted green on the weekend, he told me. <laughs> the son of a blocky. But I remember having a conversation, I've told this story before, the very first and only political discussion, I think, that was ever held in my house when I was 18 and there was a federal election. I said, I'm going to vote greens. And my mother in fact, went off her head. Um, so I'm an adult. I can have, I can maintain working relationships with people whose po- politics I don't agree with. Um, anyway, and remain nonpartisan. And we are a nonpartisan council and, you know, one of the very few that remain in mm. the state because the inner city Melbourne ones are very political um, councils. Anyway. Good, good luck with it all. Yeah. I wouldn't Thanks, do it. Phil. No, I know. Well, there's not many people that are silly enough to do it, but, uh, you oh, know. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I never say no to an opportunity, so why not? Anyway, thanks very much for coming in. Not a problem. My pleasure. I will see you next time. Thanks. See you, Jay. The Vale Podcast. Now it's time to talk about something that excites me no end, and I've done a few uh, Facebook posts about this over the last couple of weeks since I went to the Mallee Region Innovation Centre Growing Smarter in the Mallee Summit a few weeks ago, which was fantastic. And now we've got Emric CEO via Zoom because she's a very, very busy woman. Rebecca Wells, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm wet, actually, with all the rain that we've had overnight. But, you know, now I received an email from you during the week, which was really exciting. You've had some funding from One Basin CRC. Tell us about this. Yeah, so we're really excited. So um, the One Basin CRC, which is a cooperative research centre um, bid that we're a part of, um, has been funded. So that's, you know, really significant news for our region and um, what that will mean in terms of having researchers and projects in the region. So in terms of the uh, Mallee Region Innovation Centre itself, I mean, I'm well aware of of what you guys are doing and we'll talk about hydrogen a little bit later on, but 
are you able to give people a little bit, particularly with those with obviously where we have a very large grower base as listeners, can you give us a bit of an idea on what Emric's doing? Sure. So the Mellie Regional Innovation Centre has, uh, I guess, four areas in particular that we work in. So um, that's been uh, the horticulture, energy, water and the environment. And that sort of, uh, I guess, gives us our leads of what we get involved in and um, the activities that we undertake. So we have a partnership with Melbourne University, Latrobe University and Sunny Tape. So we have a range of um, different projects that we're involved in. And some of them are, are quite substantial, which will be like the CRC, the Cooperative Research Centre. Um, but we're also a partner in the Victoria Drought Resilience Adoption and Innovation Hub um, for our region. And we're also a hydrogen cluster. But we've also got other projects on the go as well, um, which are, I guess, on, of a smaller scale, but still equally as important. So an example of that is our dried vine pruning project um, that our partners, Latrobe University, are doing with Dried Fruits Australia. So they're looking at a pruning tool for their industry that they're going to mount on the front of a tractor. So um, everyone is really excited about the potential of that being a game changer. Is this the one that was spoken about at the, the summit the it guy, is, from, yeah, the guy from Merbean Robotics, which he said is, yes. you know, it, it's just him and some mates playing around, <laughs> which is great. But this is where necessity leads innovation, I think. So tell us about this because it sounded really interesting, and I suppose I'm a little bit of, you know, I've watched Dad grow up pruning vines the traditional way <laughs> and wrapping them and all that kind of stuff. But to hear about the possibilities of a robot or an implement that you can attach to the tractor that will mm. do it itself. Tell us about this. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess this is one of our first projects when the centre opened. So um, Dried Fruits Australia came and approached us and um, wanted to see if they could look at something to modernise this section of their production cycle. So it's probably the only section that hadn't been modernised. So um, through our partners, we were able to bring some academics up to the region and they had get to ha- got to have a bit of a tour around some different blocks and meet growers and look at trellises and um, work out what they thought may be possible. So um, it ended up with the RAMPS team, the robot- robotics and animatronics, megatronics prototypes team from Latrobe, um, t- taking the project on. And they've worked really closely um, with Drive Fruits Australia, but also the industry. So to make sure what they're doing is fit for purpose. So trying to cut the cordon and getting it, um, you know, in the right, even that those millimetres at, at the right length can be quite challenging because we, we know it. It varies between um, different crop types, so um, that that's something that they've been working on. It's really interesting because when we hear about, and again, I'm so, I, I guess I'm a bit of a traditionalist, but when we hear about academics getting involved in horticulture and practices and stuff, you know, just about every blocky I speak to will roll their eyes and go, oh, yeah, cool, we'll wait and see what happens. But to see something like this actually coming to fruition, and the question that I did ask in the first instance when we're talking about robotics is how long until this is actually making practical impacts on the ground? And when they said, well, it could be right now, we're not that far away, the the, the picking of the fruit, the um, Hunter Jay, who is the poster child, I think, for robotics in, in horticulture, um, you know, is working on a robot that actually picks fruit. Like this stuff, and that could be in production, mass production, within 10 years. It's really exciting stuff, isn't it? 
Oh, it's it's extremely exciting. And I think, you know, from our um, Growing Smarter in the Mallee event, that was definitely one of the take-homes. You know, I had a, a grower come and approach me at the end of the two days and said, oh, I thought this was all theoretical, but it's not. It's happening now. Mm. Um, so, and I think the beauty of the event was that um, delegates could go and see the panel sessions and see a short presentation and have a QA. and a um, but then in the breaks, they could go and see the practical demonstrations or they could go and visit the trade stalls and talk to those that are um, designing or leading these um, technical innovations. Yeah. And, and the other thing I think that I, speaking to growers after it, because I get really excited and I'm not the one, you know, putting these things on the farm, but my husband is. So there's a lot of conversations that happen, you know, after work about these things. And one of the things that he said, because he was excited about a, a few of the different things, but one of the things that he said was, that's great. All these things are wonderful as long as I don't need an IT degree to work them. So sure. I thought, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, maybe that is, and being from a web base, you know, we're building creative space being the conduit between customer and user and the the technical side, which are very, very mm. clever, but sometimes don't talk real world language. Mm. You know, that might be something to consider and that's, that might be a way to refine it. Because there are like the ag tech, the sprayers at the moment, the automated sprayers, they're on the market. You can go and buy them right now. Exactly. You know, you can have multiple ones going at the same time but being operated by the one person so it's pretty um, exciting <laughs> it is I, I think there's just so much exciting stuff I feel like we're on this um tipping point in a lot of ways and I think the other interesting thing that came out of the event too is we had eight different schools there from across the region so it really brought home that next generation you know who's going to be doing these jobs what are the jobs going to look like um, and what are the opportunities and I think you know when you're talking about um, the ability to do things I think some of it is that reframing agriculture um, through a lens that it's okay, you, you might need some coding and that that's a good thing or um, you may need to know a little bit about um, artificial intelligence or algorithms or, or things like that and there's going to be a whole stream of where that feeds into agriculture um, and all sorts of job opportunities from that as well. So I think that puts a whole new sort of... Um, lens to view the industry through, which is really exciting. It really is. And it was so good to see those schools there and getting involved and kind of opening their eyes. Because we still have now growers of my generation that just go, oh, I'm just a dumb blocky. Well, no, mate. And there's nothing, that's just a false statement in and of itself. And yes. the knowledge that will be needed going forward, like I said before, you know, some some of these things to really implement and become innovative, to use autonomous sprayers, tractors, to use drones for all sorts of things. You know, mm. you may not need an IT degree, but some of that that vet learning and the VCAL stuff that they can do in schools right now will become really important. Oh, definitely. And, and I think, you know, that link to what's happening on the ground and with our activities with the centre, you know, that's always really key for us. You know, we want to make sure we're complementing what's going on, adding value. Um, but in terms of these, and I guess, again, the pruning project is a great example. It's that what, where's the impact going to be? How does that work as a priority? Um, what is that engagement with industry? So, you know, again, with the CRC, um, that is industry-led. So it's the ideas and the, um, I guess, the challenges that industry have come up that we'll be focusing on for that. Yeah, that's amazing. So the CRC funding, how, tell us how much it was and how, how long it's going to fund these projects for. Yeah, sure. So... Um, it's uh, $50 million from the federal government um, and together with partners, an additional 100 and, 
$6.5 million, so a total of $156.5 million, and that's for over 10 years. So it's um, a, quite a significant um, a project. If <laughs> it's not really a project, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite significant. It's a significant investment into innovation in the industry, though, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, the thing that's really exciting about the, the whole process um, and it has been a process, so it's nearly been three years that we've been working on um, this bid and putting it forward for consideration. So 85 partners um, have come on board. So we've got partners in our region, but there's also um, partners um, from across the country that have um, put their hand up and said that they'd uh, like to join the CRC. So they bring all sorts of different um, skills and activities and um challenges and priorities and together um, through those ideas and various workshops, you know, we've already started to look at what can we be working on. That's so exciting. And you must be, you must have had a sigh of relief when, when you got notice of, <laughs> of this funding. Well, we were very excited. It has been, I guess, um, a long journey to this point, but in many ways, uh, it really sets us up in a position to hit the ground running. You know, we've spent all this time um, building these relationships with the partners and each other, um, and we can have robust conversations and challenge each other and and do that in a way that's going to add value to the outcome of what we're looking at. Yeah, those robust conversations are usually where things are learned. You know, listen to someone who you disagree with, and that's where the biggest learning comes from. So to have so many partners with all their different points of view, hopefully will lead to all sorts of um, productive thinking and practical application. So that's great. Let's talk about, this is this is one of my, um, I don't want to say pet projects, but I just think this, we, are, it, we live in such a hydrogen positive, I'll say, region um, moving forward. Tell us about the hydrogen cluster. Sure. So uh, the centre, um, Mallee Regional Innovation Centre is uh, the lead the Melly Hydrogen Technology Cluster. So we're one of 18 clusters around Australia now. Um, it started off with 13, so that's been growing fairly rapidly. Um, and I guess our role is to help um, develop that hydrogen industry. So we were named as a cluster by um, National Energy Resources Australia, and we're linked into the Australian cluster and sit on that as a network and also sit on the Victorian um, hydrogen cluster network as well. So when we talk about hydrogen, we're talking about the production of green hydrogen in the Sunraysia region, aren't we? Yeah, predominantly that's the one um, that that we're discussing and that's because of the solar radiation of our region. So um, we've got this uh, solar resource that we know, uh, but you can also use that to help make cheaper hydrogen. So uh, that's why people within the region and organisations are starting to look at hydrogen, but also those from outside the region looking into our region. And, you know, I think some of the things we'll start to see is changes or possibilities and projects within the heavy-duty vehicle industry. So it wasn't too long ago that we heard announcements from the Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland governments about a hydrogen highway. Um, they're looking to plant um, in Victoria along the Hume Highway and head up north, but... um. In terms of that, for our region too, you know, heavy-duty vehicles play such an important part um, in that uh, transportation of goods and um, products through and um, out and um, beyond the region. So that that tri-state location we think is really important. So how do we connect into South Australia? So we're talking to the South Australian hydrogen cluster. 
um, and also others in Victoria and New South Wales. So could we potentially be seeing hydrogen refuelling stations in our region? What does that look like and where would they be? So we're starting to have those kind of conversations already. It's so exciting and we won't get, well, let's not get stuck into the details and how it's made because we could talk about this for hours <laughs> and it is really one of those things that if you're interested, the the whole cycle about how it's made and being able to use, you know, grey water and things like, it's just phenomenal to me and I'm just sitting at this and I know hydrogen the word to baby boomers and generations before that will get a bad rap and people much like I suppose people of my generations when we hear the words artificial intelligence we think of the robots taking over the planet um, hydrogen doesn't have sort of great connotations but when you learn about it and you can go to the Emric website to learn more about it it really is fascinating and it's not before time you know these are conversations that should have been happening maybe 20 years ago and we'd be in a different position but I'm so glad that the Mali Regional Innovation Centre are working on this now it's fantastic Rebecca I'll let you go because I know you are a very very busy woman but congratulations on the funding Um, and we will check in with you regularly to see what is going on because I just think what you guys are doing is um, is absolutely phenomenal for our region so well done oh no thanks for the chat and happy to come back and have another chat thank you the Vale Podcast. As promised, I have Dr. Webster on the phone. Good morning and congratulations. Hello. Oh, thank you very much. Wow, big swing. Very nice swing. Yeah. And uh, very grateful to all those who wanted me back. That is great. And uh, hope to continue the hard work. They've got us there in the first place. Yeah. Now, I've, I've mentioned a few times how hard you actually do work at creating relationships in all the right places. So given that, mm. even working in opposition, I mean, it'll be a challenge for you, but do you think mm. it will be as hard as people are beating it up to be? Uh, look, I've spoken with my colleagues. They tell me uh, repeatedly that your best day in opposition is still uh, worse than your worst day in government. Oh, I think God. that kind of indicates <laughs> it's not that great. But, uh, you know, they, we can't let that stop us. We, we have to take our turn, apparently. This is it. Mm, gosh, well, best of luck with it. First of all, I think most people are concerned about what the Albanese government will do about the ag visa. Will we keep it? Will, we, will it change to be something else? What's going to happen there? Well, they've said they're canning it. I, I can't believe that they are canning it, but that's what they've said they're going to do and um, go to, you know, u- utilise the Pacific relationships more. But uh, we've talked through this before. It is, doesn't answer all the issues that producers have and uh, the needs that producers have. <coughs> I was talking to... Um, Sorry, post-COVID cough. Um, I was talking to a producer yesterday who said that um, one of the Samoan workers that he had, due to the AWU's successful application to the Fair Work Commission to put in the basic wage rather than piece rate, uh, of course you can add piece rate, but nonetheless it's fundamentally a basic wage, um, he, in tears, is going home because he can't make money. Wow. That's a pretty good I mean, indicator. This, wow. I think it's incredibly disturbing, incredibly mm. disturbing. If that is a general trend, um, it is just going to make life even harder. So we, we're just being hit by 
unions and labour before we even start. Yeah, God, it is going to be an uphill battle. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, if, if they offered a different solution, a further-reaching solution that included the countries that the ag visa were targeting, then we wouldn't be so upset by it. But um, I suppose... Oh, I think the permanent, the, the permanent residency uh, component, which was on the table with the ag visa, um, you know, I'm just going to be really interested to see what they do with TPVs mm. because they're canning TPVs. Does that mean they're going to be offering permanent residency to some long-standing undocumented workers? Uh, does it mean, you know, like, honestly, I, I have no idea, but I certainly will be lobbying that um, permanent residency becomes part of their, um, you know, arsenal in managing labour going forward. Mm, you would certainly hope it would do. Um, let's mm. talk about who the the leadership group for the National Party going forward would be. Now, you've been on the front page of the papers all up and down and all around your electorate this week, uh, touted at a bid at deputy leader. This is exciting. Mm. Well, you know, you never know if you don't have a go. I'm going to put – I am putting my hand up on Monday. Well and, done. And um, uh, I think that we need balanced leadership we need representative leadership of all of our electorates, not just New South Wales, Queensland. And uh, so I'm pretty keen, and, and as a woman too, you know, I mean, I hate playing the gender card. I just don't think that it's good enough. I've always said the best person for the job should do it. But I think in the environment, that the political environment that we are in, um, it behoves us to try and bring balance. Yeah, many people have asked about Senator McKenzie. Now, she can't be the leader as a senator, can she? No. No. Nope. Nope. It has to be a lower house person. Mm. So, um, yeah, the options, we'll see who puts their hand up on Monday and um, uh, go from there. So, Darren Chester was also on the project during the week. Uh, he is the MP for East Gippsland or Gippsland? Um, Gippsland. Yeah, so yep. he's thinking about uh, challenging, I'm guessing it'll be challenging Barnaby because he'll put his hand up again, no doubt, won't he? Yep, I think so. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I'll be interested to see the numbers that put their hand up. I think discussions will take place over this next little period of time and um, people will make their decision before Monday about whether they will or won't. But uh, regardless, I'll put my hand up and, Yeah. So you're going to spend the weekend on the phone chatting to uh, your colleagues seeking numbers then for the deputy leader position. This is so exciting. I, I just cannot express my excitement at you being deputy leader of the National Party. And remember, we knew you before you were famous, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we'll – we please don't get too excited. We've got a bit of a journey to go and um, – yeah, look, I'll, I'll just do my best. Yeah, well, best of luck with it. We're not going to keep you for too long. The last thing I wanted to touch on now, and I had chatted briefly about this pre-election, is that if the coalition were re-elected, then we might see Dr Webster moving to the front bench and getting more responsibility. Do you think that's more of a possibility now, even if you don't aren't elected deputy leader? Well, we have, um, because of the ratios, we have more um, portfolios that should be available to the NAP uh, than we've had before. 
because Libs have lost 20 seats. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I think we'll wait and see, but uh, I, I'm certainly interested in doing that in the interest of Mali, in the interest of, you know, mm. the industries and uh, the communities that I represent. So would uh, regional healthcare be one of the portfolios you'd be looking for? Um, yes, it would be, but look, I would be, uh, I would be open to see what may be available. And I mean, ultimately, it's the leader who chooses that. So we're going to do. We've got we've got a few mountains to climb. Mm, well, it will be very interesting to watch from the outside at the progression mm. and um, what happens over the next week or so. Dr. Webster, thanks so much for your time today. Best of luck on Monday. Thank you so much, Jay. Good on you. The Vale Podcast. I tell you what, we've got a packed schedule this week. We've got Joe, Columbro or Bo? Bo. Columbo. Yeah. Right, I had you spelt wrong in my diary. Oh, I apologise. That's, that's okay. Because very different families, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Yep. How are you, Joe? I'm happy and healthy. So You're I'm, always so happy great. and healthy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 99% of the time. Oh, well, I've never asked you that, that question and had anything other than that, I don't think. Mm. It's great to have you in the studio in Robinvale. Lovely to be here. First time. Yeah, it is the first time, although we've been trying for a little while now. Yeah. Yeah. Is Are you permanently the – wait, I'm going to get this wrong, and I get it wrong every time I talk to Charlie or Quentin about it. What's your actual role, apart from being a micro paramedic, like yeah. one of the really good ones? Oh, thank you. I'll take that. Mm. Um, it's the Paramedic Community Support Coordinator, and we – really at work in the isolated rural and regional areas of Victoria, the 16 of us, yep. and we're kind of strategically spread out. Uh, there's two of us up here. Um, I'm currently acting, as is the other person, so around the Mallee Track area, yep. and I am Robin Vale, Boundary Band and Menangatang. Yeah, right. So this role, because I reckon I've spoken to two or three people in this role, they always seem to be acting. Is there ever going to be a permanent person in the role, or is it just a revolving door? No, it's. I've actually been acting for two years, so it's right. kind of a stable and continuous uh, yep. flow, mm. but AV have... Uh, a recruitment drive this year that's happening. So right. that's, uh, you know, it's just a time-consuming thing with yep. people having to go through many applicants, not just us internally, yeah. but a whole heap of recruitment. So 700 AMBOs were recruited in the last year. Wow. I think that's the major priority and we can just, we can go along doing our job here. As long yeah. as there's consistency and the faces are recognised and we're trusted and respected in the community. Yeah. It's, it's a bit hard when someone's in and out all the time. Yeah, yeah, Different I imagine. Places. Yeah, because you, you want to build that trust with the community so that you can start talking to them about the some of the big issues yeah. that we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But let's go back to the 700 paramedics. Now, we yeah. know, we're not allowed to talk about a certain amount of things, but we know <laughs> that there are all sorts of issues within mm. um, the emergency services, particularly the ambulance, ESTAR, all that kind of stuff. 700 new paramedics over the last 12 months. yeah. Is, and there is 700 paramedics waiting for jobs? Uh, there there are the number, probably more out there who are qualified to get a job. Yep. And AV have recruited 700. Wow. Which is, you know, a six to eight month process. But they'll be uh, on the road or have been on the road for a little while. Mm. And uh, greater than 50 are in the Loddon Mallee area with recruits from, you know, Kyabram, Bendigo, Castlemaine, yep. all the way up to, you know, Chuka, Swan Hill and Mildura. So yep. there's... There's a fair few uh, new faces around and um, that's that can only be good because, you know, more help, mm. more resources mm. and, you know, people are getting a, a good, safe environment to work in. The Mallee's great. Yeah, well, 
I mean, the lifestyle is great. You don't have to sell that to me, Joe. But um, it's interesting to to hear because, you know, hearing about people going to uni to become a paramedic, Mm. um, and it's not uncommon to hear. People are doing it all the time. There's a lot of numbers coming out of uni. Yeah. But it's not like you come out of uni. It's not like being a teacher. You come out of uni and start applying for jobs and you're working next term, is it? No, it's a little bit longer of a process. Probably started midway through someone's final year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you hope you pass, yeah. <laughs> and then hopefully you will get a job in the next year early on. Yeah, that's um, ideally that's the the case. It, it w- I wouldn't be uh, well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it may not be where you live now, where you've lived or studied. You might have to go do some time in the in the bush. Yes. Yeah, I'm nodding exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. So it's an as need basis, and it might inconvenience some people, but then again. Hopefully the mindset of graduates is, oh, I'm happy and content to work somewhere else for a while. Yeah. And then, you know, pursue the the journey back to a Melbourne or a Bendigo or mm. indeed if you're interstate, mm. like a lot of recruits have been from the Mallee area over the years, yep. you can uh, work in the NT or Queensland and come back. Oh, true. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. God, we think we're isolated. Imagine working out in the middle of the Northern Territory. Well, you mentioned Quentin before. Mm. He, he he will not mind us talking about him in a in loving, Springs, yeah. loving um, regard. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Speak for yourself, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he worked in the territory for yeah, a fair while. So he did. Come back here. Yeah, and he also uh, he also went to Fink while they were up there too, I believe. Um, which surprised me. <laughs> I didn't think as long Fink, as he wasn't racing. He, no, no, no. Be safer, yeah. No, no, no. But I didn't think Fink would be his and Charlie's scene, to be honest. And actually, next week I'm going to try and get. There are five people from Robinvale Euston racing at Fink this year, including uh, the Connells that we spoke to last year. Motorbikes and uh, other just motorbikes, just I motorbikes, believe. Yeah. I did yep. speak to Phil really briefly about it uh, at the end of basketball season, but that's that's pretty interesting and a. Uh, so if you are at Fink, you mm. probably will recognise, yeah, hello, g'day, mm. how are you? Yeah. It's, it's like a local yeah. catch-up. Yeah, exactly. Sure, why not? We digress, but, <laughs> you know, it's relevant um, and brings me to the point, how's this for a segue? Mm. If you have a an accident, a motorbike accident, an on-farm accident, some of those wait times, and we all know, we've all got a story mm. about calling for an ambulance and having to wait. I mean, if you're out at Weeman like Phil was talking about before, you're half an hour from town anyway. But if there's – how many cars are there in Robinvale at the moment? There's a a paramedic here from Thursday to Thursday who works a day shift and then call um, from 6pm to 8am. But they're essentially a 24-hour resource for – Eight hours a day. Yeah, but they they there is still a car based in Robinvale. Yeah, isn't absolutely. There? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Nia West, Sea Lake, Oyen, Robinvale. They're yeah. the similar roster, and yeah. then you've got the other branches. That's One Hill and Mildura mm. as well. But are twenty four hours, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah. yeah Big, right. Bigger numbers, obviously bigger populations mm. as well, and they help those smaller branches yeah. and towns. So. But the point being that if someone calls for an ambulance in, at Weeman, it might take. There's only one car in Robinvale, and they might be taking a patient to Mildura. So then you might have. To, the the car might have to come from Ogan or Sea Lake, which is long my way. It, it is, and on a good day, it's just the dynamics and the the tyranny of distance as mm. well. Um, ideally, we'd love to be there, as in where someone is injured or sick, in a split second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know, uh, towns like Weeman just happen to be that extra bit of distance away, mm. and we often have to wait for our um, community officers to drop what they're doing, yep. get some clothes on and help. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we rely on the country 
uh, a lot with. We have a lot of first responders who give up their time. It's paid when they're on a job, but they yeah. still have to, you know, uh, put the you know cooking aside, get the kids safely somewhere, drop yeah. what they're doing at work. And get into some health mode thinking because that's yeah. a big one. Yeah, get into that right mindset. Yep. You never really know what you're going to though, do you? No. When, no. It, when it, you can read the pager and the details yeah. and uh, wouldn't bet the house on the accuracy fully. Yeah. Okay. But it gives you a good guide. Yeah, right. Mm. Interesting. So when we talk about community paramedic, the community paramedic roles mm. and those ACO roles – I'm guessing you'll always need more of them because of that, you know, there might be 700 new paramedics coming in, but they're not all based in the bush. In fact, few of them would be, I'd imagine. So we rely on that that ACO, um, the community officer, yep. don't we? Yep. The ACO is a, a paid um, casual position and yep. that's a certificate uh, two mm-hmm. in uh, ambulance or, para- you know, ambulance care, emergency yep. care. That and takes about 12 months, doesn't it? It uh, it's a two week a uh, two weekend course, okay, and then the logbook does take that twelve months. Yeah. But you're able to work when you have a um, okay. under supervision yeah, right. authority to practice. So, yeah, okay, yeah. Hey, that's interesting. It is. Yeah, and we're always looking for more around the areas, uh, yeah. especially local people. Um, so the ambulance community officer is uh, a very uh, relied upon model that we mm. have in, in Victoria, and mm. other states rely on it more. Uh, and the community paramedic, that's a paramedic role that's essentially what our role is hopefully going to develop in. Okay. Uh, and that's a lot of aspects that we do now, but a, a more integrated uh, role with the health services, um, community health, allied health uh, agencies and organisations in the community. Great. And to, to fill unmet needs and um, gaps in the yeah. healthcare system. I mean, good luck with that. There's a lot of gaps at the moment, isn't ba- there? Baby steps. Yeah. And there is it's something we talk about all the time. You know, we um, <clears throat> talk about when we were talking before about, you know, funding for community sports infrastructure, but, you know, couldn't we spend that money on on healthcare? Well, yeah, they're different, different parts of the budget, whatever. You know, you can fix an all sorts of problems if you throw enough money at it. But mm. the healthcare system, particularly in Robin Vale, you know, the hymn sheet that I'm singing from is <laughs> we're a town of 8,000 people at minimum all year round, 12,000 people at peak harvest time. We don't have a hospital. We have a healthcare service, very good healthcare service. Yep, spot on. Very good healthcare service, very good primary care. We have the best, as far as I'm concerned, the best mental health service that rural communities could ask for with a walk-in service, don't need appointments, don't need referrals, you know, it's there three days a week, all of that stuff. But we don't have – we have Dr Jane, who's Mm. a GP now, and we don't have Dr Raj, he's retired. Um, I only heard this recently. Yeah. That's a big hole. That's a massive hole. And it's a massive hole for one GP now to take over. I just want to let everyone know that there is work going on. And it's a state and federal um, sort of remit. But I like to keep my ear to the ground and know that there's stuff going on because if there's not stuff going on, why isn't there stuff going on? Because this is a real issue. There is some hard work going on. So, you know, hopefully with the the integrated, all of the healthcare services coming together, we will be able to fill some of those gaps. And I think the other thing too is to remember that keep our emergency services, and not just the ambulance but fire and police as well, keep them for emergencies call triple zero if it is an emergency 
And it might pay to make sure there is at least one first aider in your house. Absolutely. Helps out immensely, especially with an incident that's maybe a bit isolated and Mm. away from health Mm. um, care Mm. to, you know, allow someone a more comfortable setting, uh, maybe assist them in, you know, their life-threatening issue that can be sorted out or, you know, mitigated at least a little bit early on and then we can come in and help later. Well, at least know how to put a bandage on if there's been a snake bite or if there's been, if you've had an accident, you're at Hatter on your motorbikes and you've had a spill... Um, this is some learning that that I've had to take on firsthand and knowing exactly what to do if there's a concussion or or what you should do really. Um, you know, these sorts of things can be at least being able to stabilise someone so that you could take them yep. yourself. Uh, phone reception, UHF. Yep. That's a, if you can't call for help, you're, you're a bit hamstrung. Yeah, uh, correct. That's probably two things after an event that you, you want. Mm. You know, some, uh, someone's safe. Okay, you, you're conscious. Yeah, you're pretty banged up, but we can, oh, where's our phone reception? Yeah. Oops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oops. And I suppose then the only thing, because you can call triple O when you've got no reception. The 112? Yeah. 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 That works, doesn't it? It does. Mm. Yeah. I've never tried it, but apparently oh, you can. Exactly. I haven't either. Mm. We're pretty covered in the Mallee, but you've got some spots that are pretty sketchy yeah. still. Well, Weeman's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Bannerton around where I live, it's, you know, it's, it's, pretty, it's very patchy. Uh, old school landline territory. No, I don't have a landline. Who has a landline, Joe? Come on. <laughs> Especially not out in the middle of the paddock if you do, no if there is an accident. And there has been, you know, we, we don't see it often, thank goodness, because farms and growers now are really quite conscious of on-farm safety and things like that. So we don't see it too often. But when it does, it's nice to know that, you know, there are, you know, we can get to a phone pretty easily. Yeah. Um, oh, most growers have got those self-fi things in their utes and stuff now. Anyway. You know, that's something that every bit of the puzzle that can decrease someone's stress and anxiety, mm. you don't have to troubleshoot in a situation where it's it's needed. Mm. Isn't that the be- and probably good for health too? Yeah. Speaking of primary health and, mm. yeah, the large population with a um, – a moderate um, ability to service with with health. Yeah, there's a, a part of my job is to push, encourage, and motivate people to actually seek primary health. Yep, maybe to consider their health options in life. Yep, and to jump on things earlier rather than you know leaving them for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Because if you do leave something that develops into a irreversible chronic illness that requires health care with a GP or a nurse or someone with expertise Mm. every week or month. Mm. And that may evolve and escalate with episodes of ambulance and to Mildura, ED or Swan Hill or wherever you go. And then Mm. you come back to the community, you settle down and it it repeats itself. Yeah. It's not for everyone and we can't stop everything. But the trick I think is to really – um, nut out the problems earlier on in life or manage whatever you have quite well. And yep. that's just, you know, probably the health literacy of us yeah. in the community probably could be improved. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people, there is, you know, that perception of, no, nah, I'll be right. You know, that's yep. still really, really strong, especially with, you know, our lovely country men folk who just kind of bl- brush things off and go, no, no, she'll be right. And then, you know, six months down the track, you do need constant GP care yeah. that you just cannot get, you know, 
it would be great if you could go and see Dr. Jane or whoever it might be or the Royal Flying Doctor's Service every week, but chances of that actually occurring are slim to none, really. They are that good mm. that they're booked out. Correct. And For months. And they are, um, especially Jane, she's mm. a well-trusted and respected member of the community, but yeah. she's a person yeah. with a family. Correct. You can't burn Two her out. Two little kids. You cannot push people to the no. edge with um, demands and that stuff, and that flows on exactly. You've got yeah. overflow of people who need a doctor. Yeah, yeah. So we need to – anyway, This is that's not a that, – So let's put a uh, classified in the, uh, in the paper. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. <laughs> Looking for a GP yep. that uh, may Wanted. be not practising. Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances of that happening, do you think? Uh, this day and age, mm. maybe uh, – Wow, it's going to be – It's going to be tough. Uh, maybe incentives might help them. Yeah, and like I said, there is work going on. Um, but to enable our community, I think, to – the message here, the take-home message here is, is to enable our community to be better prepared when yep. things do happen um, – First, become a first aider. It's not that hard. It's a day course to be um, trained in first aid and CPR. And I actually need to um, redo mine now because I work at the gym every now and then. Like fitness instructors, basic thing. Fitness instructor needs to have current first aid and current CPR, which I don't at the moment. So I need to renew them. (laughs) But, um, you know, even farm managers, there are certain roles within the community where you need to be. But I think even if your job is to be mum or dad at home with the kids, even more vital then to be a first aider, don't you think? Yep, absolutely. Mm. So take out the other people who can help you at a workplace yep. and you're at home with uh, elderly people you care for, with young kids or with visitors who rock up and then you've got someone has a uh, – uh, an episode of chest pain, or, yep. you know, semi-conscious person. Mm. It's nice to be uh, that little bit less stressed to, you know, have a plan to go through. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that hurts people a lot. Yeah. They're mentally overloaded yep. right here, right now with someone who's crook. Mm, that's right. Um, us included. Mm. So, you know. I know, you're highly trained. Well, thank you. Yeah. Again, yes. And that's our exactly right. That's our bread and butter, really. Yeah. So, the way we work around stress is practice, practice, practice yeah, and yeah. prepare for everything that we need to. Yeah. And I do think having a f- your first aid training, going through all that, it does – I mean, you never actually know until it happens, but once there is an incident, if you know that you've got knowledge there and you know what to do, you're much more calm, so you, your patient is then much more calm as a result. So, look, it can't be a bad thing. And if anyone is interested in doing a first aid course in CPR or updating them – um, and you want to do it in Robinvale because it's not often an opportunity that we get to do it in, unless you work for one of the farms or, yeah, or, a or companies job, yeah. or a government yeah. job. Um, but if, if there are people that want to do it, let me know and I'll organise someone to come through Joe's networks. You'll hook yeah. me up with someone. Yep. Yep. Um, I've given some details to Jade, yep. but I've, without sounding, um, how would you say, uh, preferential to someone's services, yeah. uh, just approach Jade, yeah. So yeah, 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 just... <laughs> Plenty of people lo- lo- are locally. Yeah. Locally enough. Yeah. 150 k's is local, isn't it? Well, look, around here I would say 200 k's yeah. is local, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe, thanks so much for coming in today. Oh, will, no worries. Will we be seeing a lot more of you? Yeah, I uh, I will be in Robinvale at least two to three days a week. Oh, wow. Six, seven hours at, at, at a time. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Well, then we'll get you back in. We might even get you and Longy in. Uh, together. Well, that'd be great. Have an emergency services powwow. Yeah, absolutely. Can't <laughs> wait. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Good on you, Jade. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Vale podcast. 
Find more local stories in Mildura Living Magazine.